Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. church confusing sometimes because you go to one church and they act this way and you go to another church and they act this way and there's a different point of emphasis isn't there like this church believes in social justice this church believes in Pentecostalism and this church believes in salvation it's like everybody has a, a different message right and and at some point at some point we have to become the church that Jesus wants just because we are Pentecostal, and I'm, I'm going to say this at the risk of being stoned later, stoned, I, I realize this generation, I need to clarify what that means, like throwing rocks at me, okay? So, because I know some of you were thinking something else right then, okay? <laughs> All right. The rumors are going to around town, pastor's talking about getting stoned, okay? Okay, not the same thing, okay? As soon as I said it, I was like, man, Keith, why did you say that? <laughs> but just because we're Pentecostal doesn't mean that we're always right. Amen. Nick, are you sure that I'm on? Okay, good. I've got the thumbs up back there. I'm going to say that one more time because I want to make sure. Is everybody awake? If you're awake, raise your hand. If you're asleep, lower your hand. Okay, good, good. You're good. All right, you're paying attention. Some of you are asleep, but that's okay. I'm going to come by you. I'm going to wake you up. Amen? Amen. But just because we're Pentecostal, does it mean that we're always right? Now, we like to claim that. We like to have this, and every church likes to have their superiority, right? Don't be like that other church, or don't be like this church. And, you know, we're, we, don't, we don't do that here. Now, we do call out churches for doing the wrong thing, because if, if you're worshiping a false god or doing things that are not of God, we're going to say that, okay? But we need to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. Amen? Amen? Let me say that again, because I really want to make sure you hear me. We need to be the kind of church that God wants us to be. Now, a lot of people come to church and they say, well, I want to go to church at a place that I feel comfortable. I'm going to tell you right up, or straight up, if you feel comfortable in a church, you're in the wrong church. Okay? If you feel comfortable in a church, you're in the wrong church. Because you need to be squirming in your seats because the Holy Spirit is convicting you and changing things in you. You need to be sitting there kind of moving. That's why people think we're Holy Ghost filled all the time because we're constantly moving around like something's possessed us or something, okay? Listen, we need to look at ourselves in a mirror and go, wow, I don't like that. I don't, that's not comfortable for me because that's my job is to bring the Holy Spirit to you and allow the Holy Spirit to convict and redeem, amen? Now see, that second word is important, redeem, amen? The Holy Spirit doesn't just convict and correct. He also redeems and he loves, amen? We want to be the church that God wants us to be. I don't want to go to a church that's dead. I don't want to go to a church that doesn't love people. I don't want to go to a church that everybody hates you the minute you walk in the door because maybe you're the wrong skin color or maybe the wrong gender or whatever. I want to go to a church where the Spirit of God is and there's healing there, amen? Amen. There's healing there. I, I want to see, maybe I'm a little weird. I don't want to go to a church that I can fall asleep in. I want to go to a church that's hopping, right? I want to go to a church that's hopping and people are shouting and they're praising God. You guys understand that's what it's going to be like in heaven, right? Come on. In heaven, I don't know about you. I'm just going to be so thankful I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be dancing around and I can't dance. I have this disease called white man disease. I can't dance, okay? I just can't do it. But what happens is when I get to heaven and I see the Lord and I see all that he's done for me, I'm going to be dancing and shouting, amen? I want to go to a church that understands 
that heaven wants to come down to us so that we can experience what heaven is like here so that when we go to heaven, we're not going to be shocked and surprised. Amen? We're going to be like, wow, I remember this place. This reminds me of the Glacier Valley Church of God. Amen? Oh, there's pastor over there. Oh, there's this person and that person. God is moving. Amen? And God wants to move in your life. That's the way that a church should be. Amen? But a lot of times... A lot of times we go to churches with our biases and our prejudices, right? Because we think this is, this is how church is supposed to be, and if it's not this way, it's not right. And see, I want to tell you this morning that we've got to stop looking at church the way that we want it to be Amen. and find out what God wants. Amen? Amen? Find out what God wants. Maybe, maybe God wants us... Now, Bear with me, okay? Just bear with me. Maybe God wants us to get rid of all these chairs and maybe sit on the floor. I hope not. <laughs> How many enjoy the chairs, right? How many remember our benches that we had? I love these chairs, right? Or maybe, maybe God wants us to get rid of the TVs and bring out our Bibles, Amen. Oh, I just said something dangerous there, didn't I? Maybe God wants us, instead of having all these instruments on stage, he wants everybody to worship God through the old hymnals that we had. Amen? You know, I remember the old hymns. I'm not against the new songs that we sing. I love the new songs, but sometimes I just love singing. And I, they sing it this morning, and I love it when my daughter does this. I'm kind of prejudiced towards her because I love her. And I love when they sing those old songs, I'll fly away. I'll fly away some great morning. And I can't remember the rest of it now. But the point is, is I love these old songs, right? Because they mean something. They bring back a memory, amen? But what if we were a church that did what God wanted? To, what, let me ask you a question. If God walked into our church right now, if Jesus walked into our church right now, would he fit in? Would he want to be here? Would he want to be here, amen? So he talks about this in Revelation. He talks about this in Revelation. He, he goes through these letters to these seven churches, and all these churches are in the, in the same general area, and he talks to them. He said, I'm going to address a letter to you, the seven churches, and I'm going to tell you what I like about you and what I don't like about you because there's some things that we need to correct, and there's a couple churches that he actually doesn't correct, and we're going to get to those, but one of them we talked about and one we'll get to later. But there's some churches that he says, hey, we need to work on some stuff. And we, we talked about... Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, you guys remember the book in the Bible, Ephesians? And he talked about how they lost their first love. In other words, they lost their passion. You ever seen someone who's lost their passion? You know what I'm talking about? They've kind of lost their passion. They walk around, and it, this is a southern term, okay? The mully grubs. Anybody heard that term before? The mully grubs. You haven't heard that term before? That means you walk around like you lost, you know, your best friend or something, or, you know, you lost a ton of money or something. You walk around, you're constantly sad. That's what it looks like. And then we talked about the church at Smyrna. They didn't have anything against them because they were going through persecution. We talked about that. And then last week, we talked about the church at Pergamos that had compromised. And that was kind of a tough message because whether we realize it or not, we compromise ourselves, don't we? We compromise ourselves. And we have to remember that as Christians, we have to walk in a way that is upright before the Lord. Amen? And, and, and a lot of people say, well, I, I know what the Word of God says, but I'm going to do it this way. Well, you can't do that. It's the Word of God. Amen? It's the Word of God. And we have to abide by the Word of God. Amen? But today we're going to talk about, we're going to put two churches together. We're going to talk about Thyatira and Sardis. I'm going to read this, and if you could put that up for me. The first scripture is Revelations chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. And, and, you know, Jesus says the same thing consistently through these letters. He, these first few words, he says it. What he says, I know your, what is that word there? He knows your works. Remember what I said the past few weeks? He knows what you're doing. He, can I say that again? He knows what you're doing. I'm going to say that one more time. He knows what you're doing when nobody else is watching. He's watching. Amen. How many are already feeling uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, maybe maybe we 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 do something we wish it, we shouldn't do. We're like, oh, nobody saw that. Kind of like when you're driving and you kind of hit a curb, like nobody saw that. Jesus saw. Now, is hitting a curb a sin, 
Well, no, if that were the case, my daughter would be a criminal. <laughs> I'm just joking. I love her. She doesn't do that. I had to joke with her because she's here. She loves it when I do because everybody stares at her. I'll pay for that later, I assure you. But it's not so much hitting that curb, but what we do, those secret things that we do, God sees it. God, God is not one of those things where he goes, oh, I didn't know you did that. Oh, no. God sees everything. How many are uncomfortable right now? I'm going to ask that one more time. You're a little uncomfortable with that, right? So I want to explain that. He says, I know your works, your love, your service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual morality and eat things sacrificed to idols. If you remember our sermon last week about Pergamos, the sexual morality and the eating things sacrificed was talked about, and this seems to be a common problem. I'm going to talk about Sardis in a moment, but let me talk about Thyatira for a moment. Thyatira was a, was a place where the spirit of compromise was now being taught. It's one thing to live a compromised life, but it's another thing to get up into the pulpit and actually teach compromise. I'm going to say that one more time. It's the one thing for the people in the church to be compromised, but it's another thing, a whole other thing, for the pastor or the leader to get up into the church and say, it's okay for you to do these things. I'm going to tell you right now, it is not. It is not okay to do these things. And, and, and it amazes me when I talk with people and something's going wrong in their life and, and they tell me that this has happened and this has happened and I say, well, tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Or, uh, are, you, are you doing things that you ought not do? The answer is always, yes, I've been doing things wrong. See, when we sin, when we compromise, it's not that the Lord is punishing us. He doesn't have to. He withdraws from us. See, we think that God is a hateful God and a vengeful God. No, when we purposely and willfully sin, I'm not talking about a mess up. I'm not talking about that because none of us are perfect, right? Sometimes we do things wrong and we ask forgiveness, God, forgive me, I didn't mean to do that. I'm talking about willingly doing something wrong. The Holy Spirit withdraws from us. Look it up in Scripture, it's all in there. He withdraws from us. He says, I can't, I can't be around that because that's not me. And you're not acting like me. I'm going to say that again because I want to make sure you hear me. That's not me, and you're not acting like me. So I have to pull back. And you know what happens when the Spirit of God pulls back? The enemy is like, it's on. I'm going to hit him with this. I'm going to hit him with that. I'm going to hit him with this. I'm going to hit him with that. And then the first thing out of our mouth is, God, what happened? Why are you doing this to me? And God didn't do anything. We did it. We did it. Amen. We did it, but hey, here's the great thing is when you, and I talked about this last week, you really need to be here each week. It's really kind of cool because you get the whole message, but that was just a plug for people. When you walk in this way and God touches your heart and you say, okay, I need to quit acting that way, we turn around and that's called repentance. Amen? That's, called, that's what repentance is, is we're walking the way that we should be walking, not walking towards death and destruction. Can a Christian walk towards death and destruction? Every day. Every day we can do that. The Bible calls it a heart of repentance. Amen? Let me tell you a little bit about Thyatira. Thyatira was a city that had several trade guilds which practiced adulterous rites at their gatherings. So in other words, as a part of their meetings, as a part of the things that they did, as a part of their business meetings, they would they would have this idolatrous practice where they would sacrifice to the gods of Greece or the gods of Rome or whatever it would be. But in other words, it wasn't something that God was pleased with. Believers in that area would have been hard-pressed to participate 
in order to provide for their families that are in their living. In other words, if they wanted to have a living, if they wanted to succeed in business, they had to compromise who they were and participate in this activity knowing that it was not of God. They had to make a choice, or at least they felt like they had to make a choice, didn't they? But what's worse is not that the fact that they compromised. I mean, that was bad in and of itself. But again, as I said earlier, it was being taught from the pulpit that it's okay for you to do that. It's okay. Just come into the house of the Lord. Whatever you do out there doesn't matter. But just come in here and repent. And you'll be fine. And see, listen, it doesn't work that way. Amen? Because we need to go around in everything that we do, everything that we do, honor God and everything. I cannot honor God at the table of the devil. Mm. That was a little hard, wasn't it? I can't honor God at the table of the devil. I can't sit there and praise God when I'm participating in something that honors the devil. And some of us really need to question our lives and our motives and our actions. What are we doing for that participates in an adulterous atmosphere? What are we doing? What are we, why are we involved in that? We, the Bible says that we need to be separate. Amen. We need to be separate. Like when other people, like the three Hebrew children, when other people were bowing down to the idol because they're afraid they're going to die, the three Hebrew children stood up and says, I will never bow down to this idol. Amen? I will worship the one true God. And even if you kill me, I'm still not going to worship this other God. Amen? And then there's, there's a reference to Jezebel. Jezebel was the wife of Ahab a wicked king of Israel. Let me tell you about this king that she influenced. In 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33, it's not going to be up there, just listen. And Abraham, Ahab made a wooden image. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Ahab was a king that led his people, who taught his people to worship a wooden image. I have here a seat. How foolish would it be if I told you that this is our God and that you should worship it? Would you laugh at me? Some of you would rebuke me, I know. <laughs> but if I told you, no, 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 this is our God, we need to worship that, wouldn't that be the silliest thing in the world? What if I told you that this seat could provide for all your needs and take care of your finances? Some of you would be like, hmm, maybe I need to do that. Because taking care of your finances seems, well, that seems good, doesn't it? But can this chair, stool, whatever it is, can this stool pay your bills? Can this stool provide for your family? Can this stool take care of you in your time of need? But that's exactly what was going on in this church is there was, a, there was an insistence on worshiping things that were not of God. Amen? And it was being taught. And in churches today, there are things that are set up that are not of God and people think are spiritual, but they are not. Amen. Say that one more time. I repeat myself a lot, don't I? Because sometimes it needs to be said. There are things that are being taught in churches that seem spiritual, but they are not. So this woman, Jezebel, she killed the prophets. She instituted idol worship, which led to sexual immorality. The Jezebel that is talking about here in Thyatira, she probably was introducing a new gospel with different teachings, leading people astray because they didn't have that relationship with God. Now see, this is what concerns me as a pastor, because we live in an information overload era. If you were to go on to social media, any type of social media right now, you could find a pastor that is preaching some sermon. And while some people argue, oh, that's great because the message of God is getting out, it is also an oversaturation because there is people out there who are not preaching the word of God, who are telling you things that are not of God, and it seems spiritual, but it is not. One of the things that people who claim to be Pentecostal are preaching out there is that if you just claim that God will give you this materialistic item and you just say, I want that, this Mercedes, whatever it is, and I, I claim it in, in his name that God will give it to you unless you have, don't have enough faith. It's called the prosperity gospel. 
There is nothing more evil than the prosperity gospel because it's not scriptural, amen? To, to sit there and say that you can demand something from God like that, the only thing that I can ask of God is his grace and salvation, but even then he gives it to me, amen? I don't have the right to ask of anything else but his love and affection. Anything else is just a bonus, but to sit there and think that I can command God to do something for me, brothers and sisters, that's not how scripture works. That's not how God works, but yet... There are people out there who are perpetuating this false gospel and claiming it as real. You know what it's bringing to the, to the Christian world? It's bringing confusion. It's bringing confusion. I, I, I never forget this. I was, someone approached me one time, and I had preached a sermon, and they said, well, I, I, don't, I don't think what you said is true, Pastor. And I thought, well, this is interesting. <laughs> I said, why do you think that? Well, I was listening to this YouTube preacher, and he said the exact opposite of you. And he has a big church, so he must be a man of God. How many know that just because you have a big church doesn't mean that you're a man of God? All right? Right? As a matter of fact, I can argue that sometimes there are large churches because people are drawn to a message of what I call hyper-grace. In other words, you can do whatever you want, and it's okay. You're this and you're that. God bless you. I'm okay. You're okay. More people are drawn to that than to messages of repentance. Amen? Just because you're a pastor of a large church, you may be successful in this world, but it doesn't mean you're successful in God's world, okay? I want you to know that. And so she says, well, this pastor who's a big church said this, and obviously that must mean you're wrong. Man, we can get confused, right? We can get confused. And what happened is this teaching that this Jezebel did, this teaching that this Jezebel did was causing people to fall. And see, there is something here that is important for us to grasp and to realize is when, when you're teaching something that is not of God, God holds you accountable for that. Amen? God holds you accountable for that. Every word that comes out of my mouth right now, I don't need to worry about you liking it. I need to worry about whether or not God likes it. I feel like we're asleep a little bit. Everybody okay? We're waking up? We good? Everybody good? Raise your hands up like this if you're good. All right, good. Breathe in. Breathe in. All right, there we go. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for brushing your teeth this morning before you breathed out. We got to quit worrying about all these unnecessary things that the world has to offer and worry about what God has to offer, amen? We need to realize that whatever teaching that we sit under, they better be right. Amen. They had better be right. I sit around a lot of people and they say, well, I go to this church, I go to this church, I go to this church. I go to... They go to churches like they're jumping around. I keep thinking, how can you get the word of God? How can you do that? You need, you need to go somewhere and grow where you're planted, amen? You need to grow where you're planted, amen? And I, I don't think that every person in the world should come to this church. Don't misunderstand me, because God has designated people in certain churches, and I believe that with all my heart. Not everybody's meant to come here, because Juno is a 35,000 people. Can you imagine 35,000 people in this church? Yeah, somebody wouldn't have a seat, would they? Randy's like, yeah, let's do it, Pastor. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, praise God, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? But listen, God, God has a plan for everybody, but we have to be sure that the message being preached is the actual word of God, not just emotion, not just feeling, not just because I like it. Man, I love preaching sermons that are like exciting and affirming, like, you know, hey, we're all going to heaven, woo! But sometimes I have to preach sermons that are kind of yeah, they're difficult, right? Like, you ready? Stop sinning. <laughs> well, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, you're right. But I can tell you what would help. Stop sinning. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm suffering. 
I get it. I'm with you. God bless you. I love you. You can come to my office and we'll talk about it. But I'm going to tell you in my office. Are you ready? Stop sinning. But you don't understand, Pastor. I have all this going on. I have this going on. And, and I'll sit there and I'll cry with you. I'll love you. and We'll weep together. Those of you who have been in my office know this. But I'm going to tell you two simple words. You know what those two words are? Stop sinning. You know what Jesus said to people when he healed them? He says, go and sin. Not continually. <laughs> he didn't say keep sinning. What did he say? He said, go and sin no more. Amen? So brothers and sisters, the things that I tell you today are not meant to make you feel bad. It's to get you to understand that in the pulpit, in our lives, in the church, we've got to be a church that stands for the word of God. We, don't, we can't be a flavor of the month. Amen? It just seems like, it just seems like every company is now embracing June as the official Pride Month. We welcome diversity. We, we, we welcome this. We welcome that. And, and, and I got to tell you, you know, everybody's trying to, we're going to boycott this and boycott that. We don't need to boycott anything. We need to love people. But we also need to let them know that what you're doing is wrong. It's against the scripture. It's, it's not of God. Amen? And so I want to I tell you lovingly this morning, if you're in a homosexual relationship, you're not of God. Can I say that again? If you're in a homosexual relationship, you are not of God. That is sexual immorality. God designed a man. He designed a woman. That is as simple as it gets. Amen? To deny that is to deny God. Amen? I want you, and I don't say that because I'm trying to be mean or hurtful. or that I, it, People call that hate. No. Hate is not telling you the truth. Love is telling you the truth. Amen? Quit listening to the lies that you're listening to. Quit listening to those lies. I want to tell you that it's not okay to do that. It's not okay to do the sin in your life. We have to have churches that stand up for the word of God and say, thus says the Lord, and then back it up with the word of God. Amen? Back it up with the word of God. See, I'm tired of pastors giving out their opinions. I'm going to tell you straight up, my opinion doesn't matter. I'm not here to beat on any type of culture or lifestyle or anything like that. I'm here to lovingly tell you, get your life right before God. Because if I don't tell you, who else will? It certainly won't be the media. It certainly won't be the government. It certainly won't be anybody else. I'm here to tell you that unless we get our act together and start acting like a church, God's going to pass us by and not use us. Amen? God is looking for a church to rise up and say... No, it's not okay to do that, but we're going to love you. And see, it's not one of those things where we say we love the people and hate the sin. We don't need to do that because that, that still implies that we hate the person. No, we love the person. God will deal with the sin. God will deal with that. Amen? God will deal with that. I, I make sure that people know I don't care what lifestyle you are. I don't care if you're gender confused or whatever. You are welcome in this church. Amen. We will love on you. We will care for you. We will put our arms around you. We will do whatever is necessary. But we're going to teach the word of God. And the word of God says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen. And, in other words, I can't act like the world and be a believer, amen? Romans 12, 1, he says, therefore, I want you to be a holy sacrifice. I'm paraphrasing there. I want you to be a holy sacrifice. That means we are to be pure and unblemished. We are not to have the sin of, or the stain of sin upon us. But the only thing that gets the stain of sin out upon us is the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ, amen? The blood of Jesus has to be applied to our life. All right, God, here we go. Okay, I'm down here, so you know what that means, right? That means I've just completely gone off script. Some of you need the blood of Jesus applied to your life. I'm going to say that again because, oh, man. God, I'm just being obedient to you. You came in here and you got sin all up in your heart and you know it's wrong, but you're trying to justify it right now. And God says, let me apply the blood of my son to your life. 
Let me bring healing to your life. Listen, I'm not speaking. The Holy Ghost is speaking through me right now. He's saying, let me apply healing to your life. Let the Holy Ghost come in and bring redemption to you. Amen. And see, here's the thing that I get with people. And I, I listen, I'm so far off script, it's not even funny. So I get from people all the time. They say, well, I don't believe the way you do. I don't, I don't believe that. You see, here's the thing. You do believe it because your heart says so. Amen. You do believe it because your heart's already heavy inside. You do believe it because you're crushing your heart right now. You do believe it because you feel it. You just don't know what to do with that emotion. You don't know what to do with that. And I want to tell you right now, in love. See, it's, it's hard to hear that when I say in love because maybe... Maybe you don't know what love is. Listen, I can't show you what it is. I can only show you Jesus who can. Jesus, Jesus hugged the leper. He hugged the leper. Leprosy was a skin disease, and people thought if you touched someone with leprosy that you would get it. And, and Jesus couldn't get it because he was holy. And he, Jesus hugged the leper. And Jesus is trying to hug you right now. He's trying to put his arms around you right now. He's trying to let you know that it's going to be okay. Amen? And I'm going to tell you right now, God, help me get through this. I'm going to tell you right now. Listen to me, brothers and sisters, those of you who are hearing what I need to tell them. I want to tell you, I got two words for you right now that God is telling his people. Come home. Come home. Come home. See, some of you know what I'm talking about because maybe mom and dad kicked you out. We didn't leave God, or excuse me, God didn't leave us, we left God. But God hasn't disowned you. God's saying, hey, I got a spot for you here. And sometimes what the church is, what we do, is we, we don't allow people to take that spot because we're territorial. That's not what God wants. You see, that's leading the Jezebel spirit. It's a false teaching, and the Jezebel spirit is alive and well in the house of God today. And we need to not only rebuke that spirit, we need to cast that spirit out and not allow it anywhere in the house of God. Amen? Anywhere in the house of God. We don't need that in here. We love you. I don't care what color you are. And see, hmm. there's so many people trying to divide Christians today based on their race. And it's time the house of God stood up and said it stops here. It stops here. And I've said this before, so what I'm saying is not real, but a lot of people say, well, pastor, the church is the one who did it. And you're right. The church was involved in those things. I, I acknowledge that. But I tell you, they may have called themselves the church, but they're not the church that I know of God. They're not the people of God. And I want to tell you right now that there is a distinction, amen? We need to come back and realize that we are serving the one true God who is not white, he's not black, he's Jewish, amen? We are serving a Jewish God because that's who we love and who we adore and who died for us, amen? Praise God. I don't know why I get off on those tangents, but I do. Well, actually, I do know. That was a sermon within a sermon. I'm not going to take up an extra offering for that. <laughs> Some are like, is he going to do that? No. To the Sardis church, Revelation 3.1, he says this, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? Angel means messenger. These things say he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars... I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. Can I slow down for a second? Because I want you to hear this. I want you to hear me. He says, I know you are alive, but you're dead. See, Sardis was a town that was known for its immorality. If I were to bring up the town of Las Vegas, the first thought into your mind would be a place of immorality, wouldn't it? If I were to bring up Hollywood, if I were to bring up Los Angeles, the first thought in your mind would be a town of immorality. That was the tradition that they had. That was what they were known for, the town of Sardis. Now the church there, they also had a name. They also had a name. 
They had a reputation. And the reputation was that they did good things. The reputation is that the community loved them. Oh, there's the church of Sardis. Aren't they great people? We love them. Can I tell you if the world loves you as a church, you're in trouble? If the world loves... I've had some people tell me, I don't want to do that church or a pastor because it'll hurt our image as a church. What image? What image? What, what image are we trying to project? I don't care about image. If I cared about image, I would dress better. Right? Amen? You're lucky I don't have a t-shirt on. <laughs> Amen? Now listen, we need to quit worrying about our image and realize that the world should not love what we do. But when you look on the news, when you look on the news and people go, oh, isn't that church wonderful? Aren't they doing a great thing? They're, they're doing things that seem spiritual, but they're doing it in their name and not God's name. And here's, here's something I want you to hear. This is what was wrong with the church of Sardis. Just because you do something that looks spiritual doesn't mean that it is. I'm going to say that one more time because I really want you to hear me, okay? Just because you do something that looks spiritual doesn't mean that it is. See, I used this example earlier. This is out of Mark chapter 12. It's that same story I used for the offering. Verses 41 through 44, just listen. He says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how many people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. That seems spiritual, doesn't it? Someone taking out their wallet. I'll have my wallet on me. Can I borrow your wallet, RJ? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't have it on you, smart man. I'm just joking. No, I'm good. I'm just joking. Unless you have money in it. Okay. I forgot you're married with kids. You haven't seen money in a long time. <laughs> I've been married with kids so long, my wallet's got cobwebs. These people were walking in and they had these big coins and, and they used coins as their currency back then. So whenever they dropped coins into the plate, it made a loud noise. Remember when Paul talked about love? He talked about the tinkling symbol. You know, people make a big show of what they do. And you would look at that and you go, wow, they must love God, right? But do you know that God doesn't look at what they're doing? He looks at the heart. Amen. He looks at the heart and just... Just because a church is, now hear me, okay? Just because the church is feeding the homeless doesn't mean that they're not a dead church. Just because, just because a church isn't doing something that looks spiritual doesn't mean that they are spiritual. Just because the church has a worship band that sounds great and sounds good and makes you feel something, that doesn't mean that feeling is from God. Amen? Just because the church has a great orator and he preaches and you walk away and you're feeling, I felt God, doesn't necessarily mean that you felt God. See, we do things in the name of Christ, but it's not Christ. And this is how you can tell the difference. Because these men that were giving money in the offering plate were doing it to be seen. They were doing it so that people would notice. I want to tell you that when you do something for God, you're not trying to be noticed. You're just simply trying to please God. You're doing something in concert with God. Amen? When we worship God on the stage right here, I make sure, I tell the musicians, I tell the singers, if you dare make it about yourself, you're no longer doing this. I want you worshiping God. You are a worship leader, amen? And I will tell you right now that if you're a worship leader, you can't take somebody and worship with a place you have not been yourself. Don't tell me you're going to be a worship leader and not worship yourself at home. Don't tell me you're a worship leader and not spend time in prayer at home. Don't tell me you're a worship leader and not having spent time on your knees before God. Amen. Don't tell me. Don't tell me that you're worshiping God. 
The thing is, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of ministries done within the church. When we feed somebody, we do it in the name of the Lord, and we worship as we do it. Amen? We have the Jesus with them. We have Jesus with us as we do it, because everything we do is an act of worship. Amen? That's why people stop serving in the church, because they've seen it too much. They've seen people puff themselves up and make themselves out to be more important than everybody else. I want to tell you something. There is nobody in this church who is more important than God. Amen? Even me? Now listen, I'm no more important than anybody in this church. God just chose me to be the speaker, okay? I'm not more important. You're not more important. What is preeminent is the blood of Christ in this place, this man. What is preeminent is God himself. Amen? We've got to get away from stuff. That, but just because it looks spiritual doesn't mean that it is. Just because it feels spiritual. And I, I, I really want to, I want to stay here for a second because I've had so many people go. <laughs> I, I remember someone came up to me and they were talking about somebody and they were saying, oh, so-and-so, he is such a man of God. Have you seen him pray? Have you seen him do this? Now, he just came off a weekend of a three-day three drunken stupor where he didn't even know who he was. How can you be a man of God and come off a drunken stupor where you didn't even know who you were? You guys see the difference there? Listen, just because they can pray a good prayer, just because they can do this or do that, does not make them a man of God. What makes you a man or a woman of God is that you are on your knees, that you are reading the word of God, amen? But the problem is with us is we like the emotion. The music of today carries an emotion with us, the highs and the lows. When the drum beat is done a certain way, when the guitar is done a certain way, it stirs something up and in us. What we have to be careful of is what it stirs up in us is actually the Spirit of God and not just us. I can assure you that I will shut the music down and we'll have no music if I felt otherwise because it's not about our music. Back in the first century church, they didn't have a guitar player. You know what they had? I mean, if we really want to go back to the first century church, Paul would speak for hours and hours and hours. He spoke for so long one time that a guy literally fell out of the window asleep. It's in Acts. You should read it. It's pretty funny. He actually died, and Paul prayed him back to life. Here's another example. Things that we do that seem spiritual. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Or sold, yeah, sold a possession. And he kept back a, port, a part of the proceeds. His wife, his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Brothers and sisters, how many times do we hold something back from God and claim it to be everything? We, we say, oh, this is... I'm not talking about just money. I'm, talk, I'm talking about our life. Oh, pastor, I can't possibly come to a prayer meeting on Sunday night because of whatever. Or let me rephrase it this way. I, I love you, Lord, with all of my heart. I just don't love you on Sunday night. Mm. That was kind of direct, wasn't it? I love you, Lord, so much. I just don't love you on Wednesday night. I love you, Lord, with all my heart. I just don't want to give you anything. I don't want to give you my money. We hold back, don't we? You know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? Read it in Scripture. They died. Man, if the Lord brought that back, I wonder how many people would really serve God in the church if that happened here, right? A church becomes dead when they make it about themselves and not about God. It becomes dead when the focus is on what's in it for me. I always hate it when somebody says, I got something out of your sermon today or I didn't get something out of your sermon today because they're making it about them. I mean, thank you for your affirmation. I appreciate that. But I'm more concerned is what are you going to do with this when we leave here? 
What, what are you going to do? What, where are you going to take this message? Are you going to apply it to your life? Are you going to change? Are you going to become the believer that God wants you to be? Or am I just saying something for the sake of saying something? And if I am saying something for the sake of saying it, we're wasting each other's time, aren't we? We need to change as people, amen? We need to become who God has called us to be. We've got to quit worrying about the things that make us feel good and worry about the things that make us good. Can I say that again? We need to quit worrying about the things that make us feel good and worry about the things that make us good. So, here's my challenge to you. We need to reject the religious. Do you hear me? We need to reject the religious. And then, we need to embrace the spiritual. Religious is Phariseeism. Religious is legalism. Religious, uh, the, uh, religious is stuff that is done with our minds and not our hearts. Spirituality, it is stuff that is done with Jesus. Amen? Amen. See, he says this in John 4, 24. He said, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Amen? Amen. Listen, if we're going to serve God... Listen to me, okay? This is really important. This is probably the biggest, biggest thing that I'm going to say to you today, okay? If we're going to worship God, then we need to do it in truth and stop trying to lie about it, amen? In other words, how do we lie about it? Is we make it about us. We make it about us. We, we, we try to pretend that we're trying to get noticed and we're trying to pretend that everybody wants to, to, to be like us and we like to make a spectacle. Listen, we need to be like Jesus, amen? We need to do things in concert with Jesus. We need to embrace the spiritual. That means going where the Spirit leads us, amen? Hallelujah, praise God. Last verse, thank you for putting the music on. Embracing the spiritual is the very act of walking in spirituality. When we go to work, we go to church, we go to the store. How about when we go home to our family? Moms and dads quit acting one way at church and another way at home. You want to do something that would destroy your kids' spirituality is you act one way at church and a different way at home. Don't do that. Love your kids, love your spouse, love God. As a matter of fact, Colossians 3.23 says this. This is my last scripture. He goes, whatever you do, do it heartily. You know what heartily means? With passion. With passion. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't like a passionless church. I love it when people come up and hug me and I feel like I can't breathe anymore because they're hugging me so tight. Not, not everybody likes that, and I'm, I understand. And some people have had some trauma in their life and they don't like to be hugged. I get that, and we'll respect that, okay? But I'm telling you, with me, I love to see passion in people. Some people like reverence and they consider that to be holy, but I love to see passion. I love to see people excited about God. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be dead. Amen? Does, does anybody, does anybody in here like to be alive? I'm not, I'm not talking about spiritually, I'm talking about physically. Does anybody like being alive? Raise your hand if you like being alive. Okay, what do you do when you're alive? You get up in the morning, amen? You, what do you get up? When you're alive, you get in your car and you drive, right? When you're alive, you, 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 you do the things that a live person will, amen? I'm telling you, it's time the church stop being dead and walk in life, and we do the things that are alive, amen? That means, that means we get up in the morning, and the first thing out of our mouth is, praise God, I'm alive, amen? 
I may be hurting in my body. I may be hurting in my soul. But I say, praise God that I'm alive. I open my Bible and say, Lord, what are you going to tell me today? Oh, that's awesome, God. I appreciate that word from you. And I, I sit there and I say, and I walk in my day. And I look at my wife. I say, good morning, honey. How are you? I look at my daughter and I look at my son. I say, hello, how are you? And I wake up to the morning and I go through my day. And every now and then, I just stop and say, thank you, God, that I'm alive. Amen. Thank you, God, that I'm alive. And I begin, there's sometimes I'm in my office and he'll speak to me and I'll just start crying. Because when I think about the Lord, when I think about the Lord and all he's done for me, when I think about his goodness, when I think about his reckless love, when I think about all the joy that he's brought me in your life, when I think about all that he's brought me through, all the pain and the sorrow, amen? When I think about when I was at my lowest, and I didn't know that if I wanted to live or not. Wait a minute, Pastor, you've been there? Yeah. I haven't told you my whole story. I didn't know if I wanted to live or not. And I remember the Lord walking up beside me and says, not only do I got you, but I'm going to use you. And you think I'm special? You think he just wants to use me? Brother Doug, he wants to use you. Amen. He's got a plan for your life. He's not done with you. You know that. We've talked about that. He wants to use you, RJ. You know that? He loves you. Even with your weird shoes, he loves you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love RJ. He wants to use you, Mason, at the FAA. Amen. Maybe we can get some government people saved. Amen. He wants to use you, Jenny, at the school, Julie at the school. He wants to use us, amen? We need to not be a dead church, but we need to be alive, amen? We need to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to wake up and realize that God has a purpose for you. I know I'm screaming, but last time I checked, when you're alive, you like to scream, amen? Who likes to scream? I don't mean it's your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse. I mean, I like to yell, amen, because I'm alive. You know what I can't do when I'm dead? You know what I can't do when I'm dead? That scream. Listen, I'm going to go down to my grave shouting. I'm going to go down to my grave. They're going to come to my hospital room. They're going to tell me to be quiet, amen? And I'm going to say, no, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to worship the Lord, amen? Brothers and sisters, we are not dead this morning, amen? We are the house of God this morning. Are you listening? Hallelujah! We are the house of God this morning. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm going through some things right now. Can I tell you something? You ain't dead. You ain't dead. Breathe in front of your your palm. Feel that? That's breath. It may be stinky breath, but it's breath. Amen? Praise God, you're alive. And if you were in this church this morning, the opportunity to be alive in Christ is there. Amen? I want to tell you this morning, God is looking for a church that is not sold its soul to the devil. Amen? In the name of good works. God is looking for a church that is not sold its soul to commit sexual immorality. God is looking for a church that is not dead. He is looking for a church that will rise up and say, and raise their hands and say, I am alive. Say it with me. I am alive. Say it with me again. I am alive. Oh, You hear that devil? Your little minions think you're strong and powerful. You ain't nothing. You are a toothless nobody. You get your hands off the people of God. Quit lying to them because you are nothing but a liar. If you feel something in your heart that says, but pastor, I'm a nobody, that's not God saying that, that's the devil. And the devil's a liar, okay? He don't want you to feel good. He wants you to feel bad all the time. That's kind of his job, okay? The Lord says, I'm ready to rise you up. Amen. But pastor, all I've ever known is sadness. Well, maybe you need to relearn something, amen? amen? If all you've ever known is sadness, then maybe God wants to show you a different way. I'm not discounting what you've been through. God knows. I know that the, the people here have been through stuff, but there is something in God called the healer. 
Ooh, hallelujah. I know I'm getting along long here, and I was supposed to end 10 minutes ago, but the Holy Spirit's got a hold of me, and I can't stop, okay? You guys with me? Who'll give me five more minutes, all right? Listen, there is something in God. The very presence of God is to heal you. Well, why didn't he stop the pain? See, even Jesus went through pain. Remember that? Jesus went through pain so he can identify with us because we're going to go through pain. Right now, my family has gone through more pain in the past couple months than I can express to you. It's painful. But man, God's working things out. Man, I, I see what he's doing. And, I'll, and peop, people are talking to me. They say, Mr. Green, because they don't know I'm a pastor. They say, Mr. Green, this is amazing. This is not supposed to happen. And I'm going to say, oh, yeah, it is. No, no, you don't understand. It doesn't work out like this. And I said, but I know a guy. They said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute, Mr. Green. You don't understand. We have things in place, and this is not supposed to happen. I say, well, my father said it could happen. My father said it was okay. My father's going behind me and before me and beside me. My father. <laughs> and whatever you're going through right now, Whatever you're going through right now, there is a healer. Maybe he needs to heal your dead spirit. Oh, you know how you're dead? Is you don't feel anything. I feel something this morning. You know what revival is? Revival means to wake up the dead. That's what that means. It means to revive, right? To wake up the dead. We don't believe in death in the church. We believe that when we, our body is no longer, that we are going before the presence of God. That's not death. That's not death. I mean, our body may no longer exist. It may no longer have breath in it. But yet, we go before the presence of God. Death is separation from God. I got to quit preaching. I'm sorry. I keep going. Everybody stand with me. Please stand with me quickly. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, to be Christian is to be Christ-like. Now remember, I want to meet with all the campers after church immediately down here. But I, I got to ask this question. Every head bowed eyes closed. I say this a lot. I say that I love you. But some of you have a hard time with that because of experiences that you've had, and I get that. But I'm going to gently remind you that I love you. Not to belabor you and not to, not to say I don't care about your emotions, because I do. But it's really not I that loves you, it's the Lord. There's somebody in this room today, you need Jesus. I'd like to introduce him to you. You've heard about him. If that's you, nobody's looking around, nobody. If you want to accept Jesus into your heart, and what that means, what that means, and I want to explain it. What that means is that he is now your savior and you start living like he does. That means that you no longer are a part of the world and going to hell, now you're going to heaven. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand because God's speaking to you right now. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I see one. I see one. Anybody else? I see two. Is there anybody else? I see three. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Three people have come into the kingdom. We're coming into the kingdom right now. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand. I'm going to give you a moment because this is important. Last week we had three people saved. This week three people are giving their life to Jesus. Anybody else? Real quickly. Okay. Everybody pray with me. Everybody. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I give my life to you. I will not sin. And if I do... I know you'll forgive me.
be in my life. In your name, amen. Does that prayer save you? Absolutely. It's your heart that saves you right now. Keep your head bowed. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.